Thank you, Ben. Great job. Well, church, if you have your Bibles, will you grab them? And we turn to Exodus chapter 13 this morning, Exodus chapter 13. Um, we are continuing. If you're new with us, I want to say welcome. So glad that you're here with us. We're continuing to journey through the book of Exodus. We've been in it for many, many months. I've lost count already, and we're going to be in it for many, many more months as we see uh, the purposes of God and him delivering his people from slavery and from bondage and from him and, and to get to see clearly him being the rescuer. It's this beautiful book, and we're getting to the place now where God is sending his people on a journey. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read the text, Exodus 13, our verses this morning will be in 17 through 22. God's word says this, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their mind when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Sakoth and encamped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they may travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from the people. Now, if you've been with us uh, throughout this journey, or maybe you haven't, but as I look back at the past few months, as we've journeyed through Exodus, this book, we've seen the greatness of our God. The greatness of our God. We've seen week after week after week that God will have his glory. God will have his glory. That he is self-existent, we've seen. That God is self-sufficient. And that he is God and beside him there are no other gods. We saw the plagues, God systematically crushing the idols of the Egyptian worship and saying, I will have no other gods before me, and he will have his glory. We've seen that made clear week after week after week. And as we journey into this sort of next phase, into this next section of the book, even in these next few chapters in verses 13 through 15, we'll continue to see God's glory and greatness be put on display. And I think even as I was uh, processing, I was reading, and I was just praying about uh, the upcoming weeks, I think a summary verse for these next two chapters may be found uh, in a passage we're going to get to in a few weeks in Exodus 15.11 that says this, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Is that not what we've seen God do through this journey? Who is like you, God? Meaning there is no other gods like you. It is you and you alone. You are majestic in your holiness 
and you are doing wonders in our midst. We've seen as we've journeyed through God's transcendence, we've seen his glory, we've seen his awesome splendor, and I'd like for us to see a few things here this morning in the text. Um, We're going to see that the Lord is sovereign in all of our steps, that the Lord orders our steps even if he takes us in places that we did not think that we would go. We're going to see that the Lord is faithful, that he makes good on his promises, and we're going to see that the Lord is always with his people. So those are the three things we're going to be looking at here this morning. Let's dig in. Verse 17, then we're just going to walk through uh, our text here this morning. Verse 17, Exodus 13. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. I love these verses. Now, if we're not careful, we'll be, we'll be tempted to just skip over these and just move right on. But I want us to pause right here. I love this because right here we see the mercy and the kindness of God in these two sentences. The mercy and the kindness of God in these two sentences. What do I mean? How do we see that in these verses? Well, let's think about it this way. Maybe you, you're sitting here right here today, and you are in a season in your life where you really wish the Lord would move things along a little bit faster. Maybe you're not where you'd hoped you'd be. Maybe you're not even going the direction. Your life is not even going the direction that you'd hoped it would go. Maybe you're in a season of waiting and you're wondering when you're going to finally get to that destination that you thought you were going to get to. If that's you, I don't know what it is for you, but you are waiting, you're wondering, maybe you're confused, maybe you're not sure of what's going on, um, that you can trust God. What we see here is the very mercy of God that leads God's people the long way around. I don't know about you, but this week I needed to hear that. It's the mercy of God that takes them the long way home. It's the mercy of God that takes them the long way home. It's the best way because it's God's way. What is it in your life right now that you're like, I just, I can't believe this has taken so long. I can't believe I'm still waiting. I can't believe we're going this way altogether. It's the mercy of God oftentimes that he leads you the long way. Now, why? Why is that the case here for the Israelites in Exodus 13? Remember, these people, they're weak, they're weary, they've just come off of all of these plagues, and they've been in bondage and slavery for 400 years. 400 years. And God knew if they took the shortest route to where he was leading them, through this other land, amongst these other fighting people, they would have seen the Philistines, it tells us, and they would have turned around and gone right back to their chains. They would have said, I'm done. We can't, we can't handle this. We're out of here. We're gonna, it's better if we just go back here. In the mercy of God, he takes them through the wilderness. He takes them the long way. Remember the Philistines, don't you? I mean, this is where Goliath, right, we'll, we'll later meet him in the journey through the scriptures, um, if we ever get to that. But 
These are scary people, right? These were, these were like warriors. They were enormous. They were uh, fierce. They were uh, always in battle. They were always a conquering people. And so God knew, I'm going to take them this way, because if I take them right the fastest way, the shortest path, it will lead to their destruction. I'm taking them around a long way, because I have things for them. Um, God had more to teach them. God wanted to take them the long way around because he wanted to mold them and shape them into the people of God. He wanted to remind them who they are, whose they are, their identity. He wanted to dwell among them. He wanted to show them. He wanted to institute the law for them. He had big plans to, uh, to frame their hearts and minds as the people of God and not just take the shortest, quickest path possible. So it is the mercy and grace of God that he took them the long way. So church, just real practically, if you feel like uh, God is not taking you in the direction in some facet of your life as quickly as you think or even in the way that you think, as a believer, if you feel like you're walking in obedience with him, the long way is okay. More often than not, it is the mercy of God on you. And we don't even, and we can't, we have, we have hindsight, we get to see. We get to see what they were saved from. In our lives, in those seasons, we don't always know, but you can trust him. Walk with him. Journey with him. Trust him. Even if it seems harder. <laughs> even if it seems like, yeah, but it's, just, it's right there. You don't know what lies in waiting for you if he's taking you the other way. Trust him, church. Um, God will not take you the quick and easy way that ends in your destruction because he loves you. God will not take you the quick and easy way because he loves you. Um, Paul understood, understood this. Now, Paul here, he's describing the long road that God had him on. And uh, it was not easy. It was filled with hardships. As when we journey with God's people in Exodus, we're going to see uh, we're going to see them grumbling and complaining. We're going to get to that later. Okay? They they are upset about it. They do get mad about it. They do grumble. They do complain. We'll address that in the coming weeks. But God knows what He's doing. The Apostle Paul often had to take the long way around, and it was often route with suffering and wilderness times. Even he says this in Second Corinthians eleven as he's describing his journey. This is not easy. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes lest one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger from the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and toil and hardships. Through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of the anxiety for all the churches. Paul's describing his journey. If anyone could compl complain about the path that God had him on, to trust him, the apostle Paul could have, but he doesn't. He said, this is the best way because this is where God's got me. 
and I'm going to trust him on the journey. Even though he's walking me through all of this, he takes you that way off in church because he loves you. And it's the best way because it's his way, but it's not always the easiest way. We live in a culture that it's, we want it now, we want it two, two minutes ago, and we want it at our door in four seconds. Um, we want Amazon Prime five minutes, right? It's like, it's kept getting, sh- used to be, it's like, if it got there in a week, you're like, this is amazing. How do they do this? Like, it was, on a, it was on a truck somewhere, now it's here. Now it's like, if it's not here in four minutes, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm returning it. Because I need it like yesterday, right? We are so used to the immediate, the now, the, I, it's, it's right there, I want it right now. God wanted to form and mold and shape his people through a wilderness wandering because it was his way. So church, uh, don't bristle against it. Don't bristle against where he's leading you and where he's taking you. Uh, Many scholars believe that the path that uh, the Israelites could have taken to the land that they were going would have taken about two weeks on foot. Two weeks. It's like, oh, it's just like right there. Could just all march and we'll just be there. God took them in the wilderness for 40 years. <laughs> 40 years. There was generations that didn't make it through that wandering, still trusting the Lord, even in the wilderness. God took them through the wilderness to mold them and shape them and build them into a people for his glory and their good. Um, Genesis chapter 50, we see a great example of this. Uh, It's kind of the backstory to how God's people ended up in Egypt. I don't have time to get into all of it, but essentially the Israelites get placed in Egypt because of Joseph. Joseph was mentioned in our verses just a little bit ago that I read. Joseph, if you remember, was sold into slavery by his brothers, which is a very bad thing, obviously, right? It's horrible. But it actually turns out to be a very good thing in God's plan, in God's sovereign plan. Why? Because God sends Joseph ahead of his people to prepare his people so that they would have food and that they would live. Looking at it at surface level, you would think, this is horrible. How could this ever be good? How could this way ever be the way that God is taking him? But God has a plan. And God can be trusted. And God is sovereign. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph, all these years later, sees his brothers who had sold them into slavery, this bad, evil, wicked thing. And what Joseph could say to them is the Romans 8.28 of the Old Testament. Genesis 50, verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Church, we may not always understand the plans of God, but we can trust the wisdom of God. He is our guide. He is good. He is wise. And he can take things in our lives that maybe we're even experiencing right now that we're walking through that seem bad and they seem wrong and he can turn them into good. That's how wonderful our God is. Now, 
you may be in a season of waiting and you may be in a season of asking why. You may be in a season of going, are you sure it's this direction? I can see, the, I can see it right there. Why go this way? Um, let me point to the New Testament, Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who God loves, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Sounds a lot like Genesis 50, 20. God works it all out for his glory and for our good. And then Paul goes on and he says this amazing thing in Romans 11, just giving praise to this God that he can make all things good because he is good. Romans 11:33. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. For who has ever known the mind of God? He can trust him, God. We, <laughs> we don't have to understand it all, but we can trust him that he's good and we can follow where he leads. Now let's look at hap- what happens next. <clears throat> Exodus 13, verse 18. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you. And you shall carry my bones with you from here. That's faith. That's amazing. Joseph, who he had just read about in Genesis 50, sold into slavery by his brothers, ended up saving his people because of God's sovereign plan. Joseph, this one, says, and he knew God would make good on his promise. And when, so this is, this is stated right here in Exodus chapter 13. When did Joseph say this? It was 400 years before this moment. 400 years ago. They still have his bones. Like what? And if you remember in Exodus, uh, how they left, they left in haste. Have your staff, have your sandals going, because when I save you, it is going to be so swift, and you better be ready to go. Some, someone's job was to just carry dude's bones. Like, oh, I know, i got to get his bones. Like, right, that's a part of his getting ready. I don't know if he always had the bones, if they were in a backpack, if they were like... The, This is incredible. Talk about a long-term vision of God's faithfulness and God moving. 400 years ago. I can't wrap my mind around a five-year plan. Thank God for Michael. He's He's got a lot of plans. He's the guy that would make sure the bones are ready. I'd be like, oh, wait, what? Okay. Joseph's like, I know my God is real. I know God is true. I know God will make good on his promises. So, friends, you put my bones and whatever you're going to put them in, and you take them with you until we get home. Because he is 
God, and he will make good on his promises. Church, what we're doing right here is not just about you and I. It's not just about a lot of the things, I don't want to get on a soapbox, that we can make it about. It's about knowing the faithfulness of God that will be forever and ever and ever and ever. And we cling on to hope knowing that God will make due on his promises, whether it's tomorrow or in 400 years. So we want to be faithful men and women that trust God at his word. So if it's, you pack up my bones with you because God will make good on his promises, then church, let's be a people like that. Joseph knew this is not our home. He's going to bring us home. And you better take me with you because that's where I belong, where God wants us. Verse 20. <clears throat> and they moved on from Sakoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they may travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Now, if you remember, uh, this is amazing. Moses goes to Pharaoh a few weeks ago. And, he's, and, and Pharaoh, remember, he says, okay, I've sinned against you, and I've sinned against your God. You can go worship your God. Remember all this horrible stuff, all the plagues. He's, he's, he's having these false repentance, and Pharaoh's like, okay, you can go, but you can't take the women or the livestock. Or he has all these stipulations that he gives. And do you remember Moses' response? He says, we don't know where God's going to take us. We don't know what God wants when we get out there, so we have to take everything. We've got to be ready with all that we have, with everything that the Lord has given to us, so that whatever God asks of us, whatever God requires of us, we will be ready to respond to our God. So no, Pharaoh. He told us everything, and we're going to bring everything. So that all that he asked, we will have. And here we see... And the kindness of God, Moses faithful to the word of God, he brings everything and everyone with him. And now God is leading his people by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. The presence of God leading his people. Now, I think this is incredible. We're like a pillar of cloud like, and a pillar of fire. Like God is physically present with his people and he's leading them through this wilderness leading them through these places that they don't know where they're going in a foreign land and they don't know how they're going to get there but they're following the leading of God if we are not careful I think you and I have the tendency to go well that must be nice <laughs> I could really use a pillar of fire in my life right now we've we're, a lot of us are like you know, with this, I've got this job decision out ahead of me. God, if you could just give me the pillar of fire, I could be like, okay, well, that's the way we're going. Or many of you are like, uh, who, who, who's my spouse? Who should I marry? Well, the person with a pillar of cloud, just kind of like doing this, like that's it. I wish it were that easy, God. These people had it made. 
how should I do this? Pillar of cloud, pillar of fire. Let's just, okay, that's super easy. If we're not careful, we think, oh, man, I wish I had a pillar of fire to just see and go. It makes things a lot easier. It takes out a lot of options that I get all, I get all uh, freaked out about. Um, church, remember, as we read these things, these are shadows of the greater things to come. What do I mean? Church, we have uh, something, I'll argue, even better than a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. We have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God given to you by our Lord to lead and guide and shape you. (laughs) That's amazing. Now, the Holy Spirit of God does the work of illumination, the scripture tells us. It illumines to us the truth of the word of God as we read it. Sound maybe like a pillar of fire? Wish I had a pillar of fire. I've given you the Holy Spirit of God that illumines for you the very truth of God so that you always know what is good, right, and true, and you will know where to go, and you will know how to navigate this world because my spirit is in you. Listen to 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 16. But as it is written, I don't know if these are on the screen, they might not be, so this is a big chunk of scripture I'm gonna read, so this is all about the spirit. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the the Spirit of the person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Okay? Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of God who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The issue is not, I really wish I had a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire to look and see where God is leading. It's look to the word of God because he gives you the very spirit of God that illuminates for us the very things of God and the plan of God and the purpose of God that guides us in this world today. Jesus thought this as well. John 15. When the helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth. Spirit of truth. Who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. The Spirit of God bears witness in your heart about Jesus. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Colossians says it this way, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Church, um, we, believer, have the indwelling presence of God 
with us. God is always present to guide his people. That was true in Exodus 13, and it is true today for you and I. We read these stories sometimes, and we think, wouldn't that be nice? That was a shadow of what was to come. What we have is better. What we have is better. Um, The indwelling presence of God with us. Now, in the Old Testament, God was present with his people through the the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, later uh, the temple, then the tabernacle. We see all these shadows. God was present with his people. God was leading and guiding his people. He was present with them so they knew where to go, what to do, how to do it. God was present with his people, but he was not indwelling his people. Now, we know they had an internal working of the Spirit, but it's not the same as the indwelling presence of the Spirit. God was working in and among his people, but he dwelled in these things, in these places. And now in the new covenant, we see the shadow come to fulfillment in Jesus and him sending us the very spirit of God that now indwells. We no longer need a temple. We no longer need a tabernacle. We no longer need a pillar. We have the spirit of God within us, leading, guiding, and directing us. Some make the case, some scholars, that in the Old Testament, this idea of the spirit of God, that's what you see in the pillars of smoke and fire. God's act of leading and guiding his people in truth and where to go. So church, um, know this. Believer in God, you never are walking this life alone. You are never at it alone. You're never outside of God's presence, believer. The question here is this. Are you sensitive to his leadership and his guiding? Do you look to his word and his truth and let the spirit of God illuminate your heart to all of who he is and all of who he's calling you to be so that you know how to navigate all the places he's taking you? And you can walk in faithfulness and you can walk in truth. Are, you, are, are the fruit of the spirit being birthed out of your life? Love, patience, peace, gentleness, long-suffering. Are the works of the spirit being birthed in you and flowing out of you? Are you keeping in step with the spirit of God? Is the spirit of God leading and guiding you as you open up the word of God to show you all of who he is? Are you sensitive to his leading? Or do you try to not look toward the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud and go your own way? He is real. He is leading. He is guiding. Paul says, if you sow in the flesh, you'll walk in the flesh. If you sow to the spirit and set your mind on the things of God, you'll walk by the spirit. Church, may we be a people that sow to the spirit and set our minds on the things of God so that we can walk in a way that is pleasing to him, even if it's the long way home. Even if it's the long way around so that we might be counted as faithful. Even having a long-term view of his glory and the good of God's people to say, it's not just about me. 
but someone take a backpack of my bones till I get home, right? It's like we're going to have a long-term view of what the Lord wants to do in our midst because he is good, he is right, and he is true, and he is worthy of our walking even in the long way home. So church, God knows what's best. He is always faithful to keep his promises as Joseph reminds us. And he is always present to guide his people exactly where we need to be. Will you be sensitive to his leading? Church, let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, I pray this morning for anyone in this room that is asking that question, Lord, why do you have me on this road? Why are you taking me this way? It would seem shorter and it would seem easier if I just cut through this way. Lord, I pray that you would be present with them right now and they would trust in your way as the good way, even if it is the long way. And God, I pray uh, for us as a church that we would cling as your people to your faithfulness, that you will always make good on your promises and we would trust you in that journey. And that we would have a long-term vision of, Lord, where you're taking us and what you're doing and how you want to use us in that, God. Would you help us get out of um, the microwave mindset and give us a long-term vision of what you want to see and do in and through us as God's people. And that we would raise up the next generation, that they would be people that would say, Mom and Dad loved you. Grandma and Grandpa loved you. I see a history and legacy of faithfulness and they pointed me to you and may we build up the next generation to cling to the promises of God and we would be a faithful people. And Lord, help us and remind us now that you are ever present with us to guide us and lead us and strengthen us along the way. I pray for the one in here right now that needs your strength, that needs your spirit to lean in, to illumine their hearts to the truth of who you are, would you do that right now by your power, through your Holy Spirit as only you can. We love you. We trust you. We long to worship you as your people. In Christ's name, amen. Church, let's stand.